Welcome to the Orlando Impact Podcast, a podcast dedicated to shining the spotlight on purpose-driven leaders in the Orlando area. If you are looking to sharpen your leadership skills while being inspired by the struggles and stories of triumph of local leaders, this podcast is for you. Hey, Andy Young here with the Life Wealth Group, and I believe that everybody has a dream that drives them forward. Join myself and Hilgard this week and every week as we discuss thoughts and ideas with some of Orlando's top leaders. From business owners to leaders of nonprofits, these discussions can help you make better decisions for how to run your business and live a life that you dream about. Welcome to the show. Welcome here uh, to our next po- podcast with Orlando Impact. I'm so excited to have our next guest, uh, Arnie Hawk, with us. Uh, we've met each other uh, at several different occasions, mostly in the context of um, Arnie making a great difference and impact into a local charity called Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Uh, but he's got quite, quite an interesting background, and um, uh, I'm so glad to have you, Arnie. Welcome. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. It's good to be with you. So, Arnie, as I uh, looked into your resume and, and read about your, your past and your career, uh, tell us a little bit about just your story, maybe quickly, just from graduating. I see you're a Penn State graduate, you have an MBA, and then you got into the airline industry. And uh, just give us a, a quick uh, uh, recap, if you would, about uh, the last, say, 15 years in your career. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I... I, I I'd be remiss to not start with the personal side of life. And that's, you know, 30 years ago, I was lucky enough to meet a tremendous woman. And uh, it took me five years, I joke, to get the fish in the boat, but she agreed to marry me. And so we've been married now 25 years. And um, for the last 20, nearly 20 years now, I've been a father. And that, that's probably been the best career I've ever had, is to be a husband and a father. Um, and those are the things that um, really, you know, if you ask what fills your cup and makes you happy, those are, those are the first things. Um, that being said, I, I, I feel really blessed. I've had a, a very, I think, varied career, both in terms of industries and in terms of um, disciplines. I've, I've uh, uh, spent the first, I guess, 20 years of my career in the airline industry. Um, and then the last nearly 10 years now in the restaurant industry. And um, uh, from, from an industry that's been interesting, and then from a discipline, the first 10 years were um, in pricing and revenue management, which was a marketing function. And uh, then I kind of, you know, you'll depend on who thinks which side is darker, is marketing math darker or is finance, but then the last 20 years in, in finance. And um, I guess I've been everything from a junior analyst to now for the last 12 years. I've uh, been a CFO of now two different public companies. And so that's uh, been great. Um, I've gotten to see both the top line and the costs. And um, it's both, I think, disciplines have been very interesting to me because you get to see the entire enterprise and have a sense. You can't price a product until you understand the costs and what you're trying to cover. And at the same standpoint, that's kind of naturally led into finance, uh, a career in finance. Fantastic. I love, I love what you were saying about uh, prioritizing first to being father and being a husband. 25 years. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you. In today's environment, that's not an automatic. 
Uh, I think anybody's been married for longer than 20 years. I think it's been harder for my wife than it has been for me. <laughs> you and me both, man. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chief Financial Officer, <clears throat> when you entered into that position and you've been a Chief Financial Officer for, if I heard you right, last 10 years, two organizations? Yeah, uh, since 2008. So, um, yeah. 12 years. Yeah. 12 years. So, in that role uh, as CFO, what was the what was maybe some of the bigger or biggest obstacles that you had to overcome? Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I guess the first one comes very immediate. When I was um, promoted in 2008, it was um, in the heat of a, a fuel crisis, um, which really hurt the airlines. Um, oil prices had um, risen from um, maybe $60 a barrel to $100 a barrel within the course of six months. And before the commodity spike was done, it went to over $140 a barrel. And uh, the company I was with was AirTran Airways. It was a successful low-cost airline. Um, Southwest has now bought that airline. But um, uh, we had made money every year after 9-11 and had had a very good record as far as airlines go in terms of success. But now we face a liquidity crisis that. Um, no one could have contemplated and um, that was probably one of the the biggest challenges was trying to you know get thrust into a firefighting role um, and figuring out you know how to uh, position the business and get through it um, I, I guess that's so that was one part was you know having something very big and realizing that everybody's looking uh, to the finance organization to help understand what is this and what do we do and you know, how do we prioritize? Um, the uh, uh, second part of it was, I think one of the things I learned was the need to kind of communicate with people who may not be financially minded um, or think about like, you know, I, I look at a set of financial statements and immediately they start to speak to me and tell me a story and, I don't understand why everybody else can't see the same story. <laughs> don't you see what's happening here? There's margin compression or there's, you know, uh, financing challenges, um, you know, coming ahead. Uh, don't, they, don't you see this? And a lot of people don't. They just, and so, you know, how do you talk to people to help them understand? Because I think everybody wants to understand how their business is doing. And so, it, it, your question reminded me of like, so how do you communicate to maybe an aircraft mechanic about, um, you know, why are we doing what we're doing after growing for so many years? Why are we selling airplanes? Why are we cutting pay? Why are we cutting flights? I don't understand. And uh, the example that I know we use in some of our employee meetings was, um, you know, they couldn't understand, you know, the hundreds of millions of dollars in fuel that you were now buying. Um, but how do you, we kind of took the problem and talked to them in terms of their own personal finances. So we'll think about it this way. Your mortgage or your rent payment typically is about 25% of your take-home pay. That's what fuel was to an airline. Let me just tell you what's happened. You know, our rent has been going up, and over the last six months, our mortgage has doubled. What would your life be like if your mortgage doubled in six months? Oh. And you see everybody's eyes get wide. And then they said, okay, well, now let me tell you this. There's, the economy is slowing down. And so um, 
what you know now let me tell you that there's you've gotten a 10 percent pay cut how does that affect you know what would you do personally and people say well i'd probably go try and get a second job i'd look for other ways to make money i'd cut expenses out that i didn't think i really needed and and then all of a sudden people began to understand and so i think that is um, one of the things that I, I try and carry around is do other people understand and how do you, can you speak to people so they can understand the financial situation, perhaps without having to walk them through a cash flow statement? So um, I love that, man. I love that. So you, you, you found a way to be able to speak Greek to people that understand Greek. Uh, you know, I'm a converted CPA and reading financial statements, I think uh, you probably say people like you and me, we're nerds, we can read financial statements, but I love the fact that you were able to translate it to people in the way that they could understand it. And isn't it more important to make progress with folks uh, when they can understand? And I, I love I love your story about how you did that. Um, you know, I'm curious, The you're in the restaurant business now, and uh, I think I told you my personal story about my first fancy, first fancy restaurant in America when I came over here. Uh, reward for accomplishing a sales goal was uh, the reward of being able to be invited to go experience the Ruth Chris experience. And obviously, as, an, as, an, as a new uh, far, foreigner, I had no idea what these guys were talking about. But quickly after I heard the sizzle of that steak uh, that I realized why America loves Ruth Chris. Uh, but, you know, you're translating over from the airline industry to the restaurant industry. It's, it's an interesting transition. Uh, how's that been for you? And, and um, was there any resemblances between the industries? There's actually a lot. And uh, I think I use some of my marketing skills to help get the job. And um, so, you know, I was very lucky. AirTran, um, we survived the fuel crisis. Um, we went from having the worst year we ever had um, to having the best year we'd ever had the following year. Wow. And, um, uh, you know, we were helped by the fact that fuel prices came back down. And we had, um, in, in the front of the recession, we actually, I, I shared with people, I remember at an investor conference that, we were very lucky that we had the fuel spike when we did. And the, the, the panelists kind of scratched his head and looked at me like, what do you mean? I said, well, we got to go first. We could go raise money before everybody showed up. We could sell planes when other parts of the world were still buying things. Um, you know, if we came into it late, it would have been a lot harder. Um, and so um, I was lucky enough, I had a recruiter call me the week the deal got announced that Southwest was now buying this company. What are you doing next? And I came in to have dinner with the chairman of the CEO and chairman of the company. And he asked me a similar question. How do you see, you know, do you think there's any crossover here? And I said, oh, I think they're very similar. And he, he kind of laughed again and turned his head and said, really, I want to hear this and grab the glass of wine. And I said, well, let's think about it. We, you know, we're all fighting for what's left over at the end of the month. Um, you don't need, to, very few people need to get on an airplane. Very few people need to eat a fancy steakhouse dinner. We're fighting for what do you want to do with your disposable income to make you happy. I used to tell people they should go take a trip or visit their family. Now I'm thinking, you know, maybe they should take a mini vacation and go to Ruth's Chris and have a steak and a nice bottle of wine. Um, and won't, make, won't that make you happy? Um, he's like, okay. And I said, well, we have a fixed amount of space whether it's an airline or whether it's a restaurant. Now we're going to put seats in it. And now we're going to try and fill the seats um, with people who are going to pay us to sit in these seats. 
So we need to measure how effective are we, what percentage of the seats are full, and then what prices are people paying. So that's kind of similar. Um, you think about, uh, we both have reservation systems. And so you keep track of your customers and what are you doing with that data and how are you harnessing that information. That is uh, similar. Um, we both have our largest cost is labor and it's segmented. In, in the airlines, it's you know above wing, below wing in the airport and then corporate. Uh, for a restaurant, it's you know what they would call the front of the house or the heart of the house, then the kitchen um, and then management and corporate. Um, you have, uh, after labor, your next biggest cost is a commodity and in airlines it's fuel. And, um, in a restaurant now I care about the price of cows. And so it's an asset class though. It's changed in the last 10 years. It's not just supply and demand anymore. Um, you're competing with financial investors and you need to, um, think about it, not just supply and demand anymore, but also, um, in terms of well, how is this being viewed as a commodity? Is there a financial motivation to what's happening to the prices? So um, those are, I could keep going, but you know, I don't want to bore you with uh, all those kind of stories, but I think there's a lot of similarities. And um, you know, it's kind of funny as I've uh, gotten to go get to know other people around the industry, I've, I found there's been several uh, other airline executives that uh, have crossed over um, into the restaurant business. And, and I think it's, um, the airlines certainly, it's not the most profitable business in the world, but you have to be smart and work hard and it's complicated. And those are good skills to have anywhere. That's a fascinating story. I, I can see the resemblances now. I couldn't see it before. So <laughs> it's interesting that you laid it out for us like that. I really appreciate it. You know, we're talking about uh, how you were relating with a person that was, uh, you know, in the airline industry and just explaining the complicated stuff easier and just listening to you, I can I can see that relationships is very important to you. Uh, what what kind of relationships would you say were most impactful to you in the development of your career, your development as a senior executive? You know, who comes to mind that has been most forming, and in what way have they been forming for you? Oh gosh, that's a, a really interesting question. Um, you know, two people really uh, jumped to mind. Um, one of them was um, one of my uh, supervisors uh, when I worked at U.S. Airways in the pricing department. And um, uh, him and I really clicked, and he, he kind of brought me under his wing and, and, and uh, helped mentor me at a young point in my career. Um, and we're still good friends, personal friends today. Um, we both ended up coming to Airtran. We ended up being peers. He ran um, uh, the, all the marketing and, and, and pricing and scheduling, and I ended up on the finance side. So we, we uh, spent probably 15 years together. But what, what he did for me was um, um, he, he helped me. I had some skills in terms of computers and data, and he saw in me the one that I could help him answer questions. And as an executive, you're always looking to try, you have questions or I wonder, what is this? And, you know, um, I think he saw in me that I could um, help him. Like I was curious and I, and I, and I like, well, you know, we could go look at this. And if you look at it this way and this might answer that question, or maybe this and something else will help answer that question. 
And the two of us formed a great partnership and he kind of taught me how to read the P&L. This is before I had my MBA, what people are going to think about, what are the questions that come around. And then I was always very eager to run off and say, well, let me show you how I can help answer those questions. So uh, Kevin Healy was the gentleman and uh, we're still, I'm grateful to Kevin for the opportunities he gave me and I'm thrilled to call him a friend today. Um, Hey, sorry for the interruption, it's Andy. And I know you're listening to the Orlando Impact Podcast because you want to help maximize your impact in your family, community, and organizations that you care about. I've got something for you. If you want to take this a step further, I want you to head on over to thelifewealthgroup.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter. This is a collection of hand-picked articles along with focus on things that you can be doing to make a difference. We send it every Friday straight to your inbox. Finally, I would like to invite you to our upcoming webinar that will help educate you on making informed decisions for retiring in the new normal. So go to thelifewealthgroup.com to sign up today for our weekend reading and keep informed on how you can continue to make an impact in your community. The other person that really comes to mind is um, our current executive chairman at Reese Hospitality Group, who was the CEO, who sat with me and you know drank drank a glass of wine with me while we talked about uh, um, hooking our trains together and and um, uh, working together at Ruth's. And he had a really um, different philosophy than um, I had probably experienced ever in my career. And so the airlines is hard charging, your hair's on fire every day. There's always a crisis, there's always something going on. And um, I remember one day early on in, in my uh, time at Roos, I was working later in the office and um, he likes to come down and sit in your office and he might sit there for two hours and just wanna talk. And I was working on something. He's like, what are you working on? He's like, why are you working on a spreadsheet? You're my CFO. And I said, well, there's not enough people. And I have some questions and I can do this myself. And I'm, you know, you know, there's things that I can't do that I'm giving to other people. And he said to me, and, and this really kind of um, stuck with me. He said, you know, I don't mind seeing your work, but I didn't hire you to produce work for me. I hired you because I want you to think. And so are you giving yourself enough time to think um, and step back from the business? And that was like, it made my head explode. Um, like what, you know, everyone else it's been work, 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 and keep moving forward and keep driving. Um, and so uh, Mike O'Donnell is probably the second person that I would say, and um, uh, helped me like kind of take a, take a breath in my career and like, oh, think that's interesting and you know ask questions and help bring others around it and if i come back to kind of kevin healy um you know oh it's my turn to like ask questions and have other people bring answers and help them learn to think more broadly around the business and and mike uh did that and you know he introduced um uh, uh um some books that he would have our executive team read as a group, which was something I had never experienced, you know, 20 executives every week coming in to talk about the next chapter in a book. Um, and it really 
I think fostered the thinking part of business, which sometimes we get too caught up in the tactics of what we're trying to do. So those are the a long answer to your short question. But. That's very cool, Arnie, that's very cool. You know, where I met you the first time was at it with Chris and it was here in Winter Park in Orlando. Yeah. And uh, it was at an event uh, that was sponsored for Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Uh, we have a great friend in common, Shannon Ellswick, who was on the board, who was on the board. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, how does a guy like you, a CFO, get involved with a ministry or an organization like Big Brothers Big Sisters? What, what, what was it for you that said, this is a place where I'd like to uh, help? Oh, that, that's easy. Uh, that's an easy question. So um, <clears throat> it started, uh, my, my uh, involvement with Big Brothers started in my early 20s. And so right after I got out of college, and it was, as I look back on it, it was kind of a crazy time in my life to, to get involved. But um, my wife and I uh, were, I think we were just, we were engaged to be married or getting ready to be engaged, you know, but we were fairly mature in our relationship. Um, we were living outside of Washington, D.C., and I decided to sign up to volunteer to be a big brother. Um, and, uh, you know, at that time, I was getting ready to get married. I was working very hard on my career. I had started going back to um, uh, graduate school at night. So I was working full time. I had just gotten married or was getting ready to get married and, you know, start um, our family. And going to school and trying to work at a Fortune 500 company and advance my career. And I decided that in my spare time, I'm going to go mentor a youth who doesn't have a father in his life. And um, I did that um, because I felt very strongly about it from my own personal experience. My father died when I was, uh, I guess, about six, seven years old, seven years old. And um, I, I experienced about four years there, um, kind of second through sixth grade, where um, I didn't have a father around. My mom ended up remarrying. I ended up becoming extremely close with my um stepfather I call him my dad and um uh, but i i felt you know during those formative years like you know it was like a, a bit of a wound it hurt you know you didn't you think about um like things you take for granted like somebody to throw a baseball with like you're on, i was on a baseball team but my mom couldn't throw baseballs with me in the backyard you know i put a tire against the side of the house and ended up breaking her dining room window, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, uh, but, um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to have um, neighbors and, you know, I've gone back and thanked a lot of the people that have, you know, they stepped up and, you know, they helped me. Um, I, I think I might've told the story. He's just a lot of big brothers. You know, I was in, in Cub Scouts and um, they give you the Pinewood Derby block of wood to build a car. And, you know, you know, shockingly, most dads help their young sons build their cars so that they go fast and, you know, help put graphite on the wheels and everything else. I didn't have that person. I, I remember sitting on the back stoop of my mom's house, whittling my car with a kitchen knife, with a, you know, a paring knife. And, you know, my car was not attractive and it got stuck on the track. It couldn't even make it to the finish line. And it's heartbreaking as a kid because everyone's laughs. Sure. You know? Sure. And so um, I, I kind of carried that around that, you know, when I, when I get to be an adult, I want to give back. And, you know, 
what you, you know I think you've said it before what makes you you know what makes your heart cry and it's kids who have a tough situation they don't have that positive role model in their life um, and so how do you um, help them um, achieve their potential how do you you know give them the confidence to to go forward so I started in, in my 20s uh, when I moved to Florida, it, it actually worked out well. My little brother was getting ready to graduate high school, so it was kind of a natural, you age out of the program at 18. And then I kind of took a hiatus. And then um, at AirTran, they asked us to start getting involved with uh, local nonprofits, and I quickly knew um, who I wanted to go spend my time with, and I picked up the phone and, and put a call to the local chapter of Big Brothers Big Sisters. And now they can't get rid of me. It's been 10 years and I thought we should step <laughs> on. So. That's fantastic. It's fantastic. You know, I find often even in my world and um, a lot of folks that we work with is that a lot of times our own passions is in the center of our own pain. And yeah. um, how does it feel for you to be able to, uh, you know, how does it make you feel to step out of a board meeting versus stepping out of a meeting with a, 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 a person, a, a child, a, a young person that you're encouraging? Oh, I, I think it's, um, they're both like, look, there's nothing better than coming out of a good successful board meeting, man, that went well. And, um, at the same standpoint, when, um, I'm also involved with, so now I have three sons and I'm trying very hard to be the best dad I can to them. And my youngest son is in Boy Scouts. And so now I'm also, um, uh, involved as an assistant scout master in his Boy Scout troop. And I love spending time um, with young adults and helping them um, uh, realize that they can do whatever they really want to do and give them the confidence to, you know, I, I like to joke with them. I said, a lot of us are still trying to figure out what we want to be when we grow up. And none of us knew and your parents didn't know and they're still trying to figure it out and just go try. And, you know, um, it, it's tremendously rewarding to see kids and I think particularly I see it probably more in the Boy Scout organization where they advance and watch them transform. Um, you know, with Big Brothers today, I don't really get to see, um, you know, the evolution of individual cases. I'm more trying to help provide governance and leadership. Um, but in the Boy Scouts, you do see kids and that they, you know, absolutely transform themselves from shy and being, you know, fearful to being leaders and, you know, that they can um, have self-confidence and also skills that I think, um, and I wish I had continued with Boy Scouts. I think it would have been a great um, baseline to skills to take into college and adulthood. You know, you're saying a wonderful amount of things here together. And if, if you and I were to quickly go back and forth and we were to brainstorm quick and summarize your story in a way that we are encouraging a person like yourself, a successful business owner, a successful executive, maybe a successful professional about this transition from what I call success to significance, uh, the transition to go from me to we essentially where you're looking and seeing maybe it is a function that you're not completely fulfilled in life. You're experiencing success. You're wondering if there's something more than success or there's just an internal drive or actually like you said, a, a company or somebody comes around side you and say, Hey, have you thought about giving back and where you want to give back? I want to 
pause on a few things that you said that was very, very insightful to me. One is you said, essentially, just go do it. Um, so I want to encourage the listeners with this question. Hey, who do you cry for? And do you think it's important for you to go make an impact of your life and use your platform to be able to do so? Um, and I heard you say a few things. You said, look, I'm, I'm a CFO today. I'm a chief executive. And, and maybe I'm not the guy that is having these conversations with this, the, the boys on a one-on-one basis. I'm providing leadership because I'm using my skills as a leader to provide leadership for this organization. But I'm tied to the organization because I've figured out where my pain lies and it lies inside of my story. And so as we talk about how can we encourage others, we would say and encourage them to say, look, just go do this. It's okay to fail at it if you, if you need to and want to, but just fail forward. Figure out what you, where your pain lies as far as, and it, a lot of times it's embedded in your story. So if my volunteering or giving back is in align with my passions, it comes alive, doesn't it? It, it does. Um, you know, one of, I think the, and I joke when I interview candidates, and I'm usually the last stop for someone in our department. They have to come spend an hour with me. And um, I joke, I typically ask the same kind of questions and it's very little um, technical and it's more about the person, who they are, where did they come from? You know, tell me about your parents. What did your parents do? And, but I think one of the hardest questions that I ask people and I joke, I said, I know there's probably somewhere out on the internet, somebody's starting to collect, you know, here's what the person asks you during an interview, but so I've seen anything yet. So, but the one question that I ask people is, tell me what gives you satisfaction personally. And it's, it's people are, it's like the, the hardest curveball you ever, you would think you ever gave someone. And, um, and they're like, what do you mean? I go, okay, well, let me um, ask this. And I, I stole this from one of my coworkers who, who he's rephrased the question. Today was not a work day, but it was a good day. What happened? And um, once they answer, and then I'll ask them, tell me about what fills you, what gives you satisfaction professionally. Everyone tries to take it back to work. Let me tell you about my skills and what I like doing and how hard I like to work. I'm like, no, no, no. Tell me about like what personally, what gives you personal satisfaction? And the reason I do that is, is in part around kind of your question on giving back. Like, it took me a long time to figure out that you shouldn't be trying to fill all your satisfaction from work. And too often we do. And I really don't want to hire somebody who all their satisfaction comes from work. Cause I know we're going to disappoint you <laughs> and that I want there to be a balance and that, you know, work should give you satisfaction and there should be reward in that. And, but I'd also like to know that you have a good sense of self and, and what you want to do and um, uh, what, what, you know, what makes you happy? Because if, if you're happy, you could be very successful at work, but if it's not going well at home, and I ask the same question, what gives you frustration personally? And you'll hear it's like, oh, it's when the house is a mess and I don't help and, you know, my wife or my spouse is doing more and I don't get to spend time with my kids. And, you know, that's what a bad day at home looks like. Um, so. I think that's a real challenge and it's, I think you fight it every day is, you know, how do you give yourself satisfaction and try not to make it all come from work? I love it. So I'm going to 
turn it on you then. Here's the question. Hey, Arnie, what's giving you satisfaction? Um, <clears throat> oh, I look a lot of places. Um, uh, Mike O'Donnell, um, who I talked about before, asked me once, and it's the same question, what do you want your legacy to be? And my answer came back. Um, and, you know, work was a smaller piece. You know, the legacy you actually leave behind is, I think, is your children, right? It's when you're gone. I mean, whether we build three to five restaurants a year or 10 to 15 restaurants a year, five years from now, um, uh, um, five years from now, people will forget, you know, it won't matter. Um, it's important today. It's, you know, achieving financial, your financial goals are important. But it, it's not, to me, I think what's changed for me is it's not the most important thing anymore. Um, it, you know, I, it starts with, I, I think, you know, you know, do you have a relationship with God? You know, are you a good son? Are you a good, you know, what, you know, are you a good father, a good husband? Are you a good friend? And then at the end, it's, oh, yeah, and you know what? He just was, he just had a knack for business, he, and he made it fun. And so um, I love business success. I love, you know, um, helping um, work with other people and finding success. That gives me satisfaction. But trying to do the best we can to have fun along the way. Um, it's one of the the probably Arnieisms that the Boy Scout troop is tired of hearing me say that, you know, they'll talk about, oh, we're planning for a canoe trip and da 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 And here's the details, be at the church by, you know, six o'clock Saturday morning, here's what you need to have and go online for this. And then I'd raise my hand and say, well, who's going to bring the fun? Who's in charge of bringing the fun? And, I like that. and the answer is, you know, none of the adults are, are packing fun for you. You want to have fun, you got to help bring it yourself and spend some time thinking about that. What do you, you know, what are you doing to bring the fun? And I think that's true at work too. Like I, I, I could do more my, my team, if they, I hope they don't find this, they'll say like, I wish you brought more fun to work, <laughs> giving me more assignments. You know, Arnie, uh, if somebody asked me the same question, another way of asking it is like, Hey, if you died uh, and you look back and you look at your tombstone, what would you want people to write on that tombstone? Another way of looking at the legacy question. And mine would be, here lies a guy that has figured out how to surround himself with amazing people. And uh, just visiting with you today on our webcast here has uh, certainly proved me to be uh, very satisfied in that. So I want to thank you very much for your time today. You're truly in my, my lens and in our organization, an amazing guy. Uh, and uh, we measure amazing people when they transition from success to significance. When they move, uh, what I call, turn the M upside down, we move from me to we. And I'm finding just the way you're describing that a lot of folks are experiencing significantly more fun and fulfillment, even the, the job and what they do, but they become even better and better and better at it. And uh, they continue to use their platforms to make an impact and it is fun and fulfilling for themselves. And uh, you are a great example of that. So thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Keep on doing what you're doing, my friend. And uh, may you go from strength to strength. I hope great things are happening with big brothers and big sisters. And uh, we certainly are looking forward to supporting and uh, seeing you at the golf tournament. And uh, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Hilbert.
Thanks so much for tuning in today, and I hope you found the information here insightful. Both myself and the LifeWealth Group team want to provide you with the very best resources and education to make the best decisions for your financial future. And that's why I want to offer you a complimentary review of your entire financial and retirement plan. There's no cost for this visit. It's simply a chance for you to get an education about your money so that you can make informed decisions for yourself moving forward. We found that many people don't have a full understanding of three basic things. They don't know how much they're paying for fees and commissions. They don't know how much unnecessary risk they're taking with their nest egg, let alone the tax implications of their retirement savings. When we meet, whether it's in person at our office or an online video meeting, we're going to help you understand all of those issues. We want to walk you through a proprietary planning process, the Life Wealth Dream Builder, where we focus on investment planning, risk planning, income planning, healthcare planning, and tax planning. To get started, all you need to do is visit thelifewealthgroup.com. Click Schedule a Conversation, where we will reserve a time to give you a complimentary impact analysis of your financial dreams. Thanks for listening to the Orlando Impact Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcast. The more reviews we get, the more people we can reach. If you found this information helpful, you can also share the episode. Thanks again for taking the time to listen, and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Orlando Impact Podcast. Securities offered only by duly registered individuals through Madison Avenue Securities, LLC, MAS, member of FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC, AEWM, a registered investment advisor. MAS and the Life Wealth Group are not affiliated entities. AEWM and the Life Wealth Group are not affiliated entities. The Life Wealth Group is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to safety, security, or guaranteed lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investment products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. The Life Wealth Group is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute as tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. We are not affiliated with U.S. government or any governmental agency.